The sacred divine feminine is creative, abundant, flowing, receiving, and disruptive. And the new energy of money, including cryptocurrency, decentralized finance, NFTs, and even the metaverse, is all these things too. Welcome to the Goddess of Crypto, a weekly show where women who are already in this powerful space will cover these topics simply, so you can relax into knowing that the future of finance is female. And welcome back for season two of Goddess of Crypto, always by women for women, where my guests and I teach you how to surf the coming financial tsunami so you don't get knocked over by the waves. Today, it's just me, and I am here to talk to you about what's been going on in banking. Now, what do I know about banking? A lot more than I used to. With the last several weeks, we've had three banks so far that are mid-sized regional banks go under. And those banks have been closed and then reopened under uh, the larger banks. For example, J.P. Morgan Chase, which full transparency, I am actually a customer of. They have made things very easy for me to bank with them in my business. Uh, J.P. Morgan Chase just acquired First Republic which was shut. Uh, Prior to that, we had uh, Silicon Valley Bank, and that's the one that I want to talk about most specifically because Silicon Valley Bank was where a lot of entrepreneurs who were getting venture capital and growing their companies, i.e. the innovators of the, the different industries, that's where they were banking. And so we got very lucky because the FDIC, which normally limits... Uh, insured deposits to $250,000 stepped in and actually guaranteed all of the deposits, including at much higher levels. And we'll talk about that in a minute, because that's a risk that I think a lot of small business owners are taking. But I want to also discuss first the fact that we're not paying attention. That's what I feel like is the biggest issue for us is we're not paying attention. Because how does this actually happen? Well, for one thing, we're very distracted because of the fact that there's breaking news every five minutes. We're all just coming out of the kind of, you know, PTSD feeling of the pandemic and uh, there's another shoe dropping and another shoe and another shoe. So it's been very difficult to concentrate on something like this, which doesn't seem to affect us. The other thing is, of course, the minutia of our everyday lives. You're distracted for five minutes looking at the news, but the reality is that whether you're picking your kids up from school or trying to run your business, this is not something that we're paying a lot of attention to on a day-to-day basis. What we are doing is looking to our regulators to give us more oversight, and they've been doing a really terrible job. One of the main reasons is that Donald Trump repealed a lot of the oversight requirements for these mid-sized banks. And so now the J.P. Morgan Chases of the world are swooping in and absorbing the smaller banks. Now, according to what I've been reading, that's pretty standard, but it doesn't help us because we're being left with fewer choices and less transparency for the banks that we're using. 
And there's a bigger issue that's going on with money in general, because as we are printing it so freely, and as our money has gone from cash that we put into the bank into ones and zeros that really exist on a computer ledger and nowhere else, there's a lot that could happen that would cause even these larger banks to topple. And you don't have to believe me. Look at what's happening in the banking crises that have been going on in other countries. Look at Lebanon most recently. Look at what happened to uh, Cyprus in 2012. There have been, look at half of the Central American countries. There have been really serious problems with banking systems. And once the first domino falls, the rest start to go after that. I've quoted this before, but Ernest Hemingway in one of his novels, his uh, character says to another character, how did you go bankrupt? And the other character says, slowly at first, then suddenly. And we're in the slowly part of our financial tsunami. However, it is building and three banks having shut their doors unexpectedly, if you're listening to this instead of watching this, I'm using air quotes, unexpectedly, however we should have expected it, because it's been happening quite quickly. These three banks closed in a matter of less than two months. We're not paying attention. We're looking at other things. We are distracted by the minutia of our lives. We are distracted by the PTSD of the post-pandemic world. We are distracted by the fact that people aren't out in the streets like they are in France right now, protesting and saying this isn't okay with us. We're just continuing on. Now, look, I said earlier that I was a JP Morgan Chase customer. They made it incredibly easy to do business with them when I opened Transformational Tours and Retreats, which is my second company, my spiritual travel practice. I was with PayPal. I was with Square. Both of them kicked me off after months and months of use because they said, oh, we don't want to work with a travel company because it's too high risk. And after the pandemic, I can see why that was the case, right? Because, you know, everything stopped in the travel business for so long. But I said, you know, the name Transformational Tours and Retreats, what did you think the company did? Because, of course, I had been vetted all the way through. And when I went to uh, to Chase, where I was already a, a, a customer for my uh, Halley Evelyn Enterprises company, they said, oh, we're happy to take you on. I said, you understand I'm a travel business. They said, yes, yes, we'll put you through extra underwriting. And they did. As a small business, I was very grateful to them for what they did. And I like their app. And I'm a very happy customer. I can do international wires, which I have to do for the travel business pretty regularly. It makes things very simple. I have people who come to me and they say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm with a credit union and I can't do an international wire. Well, you know, I think there's definitely stuff that needs to be overhauled inside of banking. But I don't think that getting us down to Citibank, Bank of America, and uh, Chase as the only banks that exist other than these tiny credit unions, which are very limited for people, I don't think those are the solutions. Now, there's a pretty central reason that these mid-sized banks went under, and it has to do with the rising interest rates. Because as the interest rates rose and they had made promises to customers 
with, you know, for lower interest rates, they kind of got caught in the middle and they weren't making as much money and it began to squeeze things. And as that happened, uh, you know, Silicon Valley Bank, there are people who have actually deleted their tweets because they've said uh, there's going to be a bank run today and I've taken my money out and that social media caused a bank run to happen immediately, like within that same day. But if those people who were the investors in the, the bank, the people who had put their money, the depositors in the bank, if those people had said, you know, I'm holding fast and I believe in my bank's future, things might have gone differently, at least for Silicon Valley Bank. The fact that social media could cause a bank run is something that is really unprecedented. It's not something that we're used to in our society yet. But things are changing that quickly and things can change that quickly. Another bank that is not a U.S.-based bank, so this is now actually four banks that I'm thinking of, um, is Credit Suisse. If if you had asked me six months ago, like name top the three banks in the world that you think will not go out of business, I absolutely would have said Credit Suisse was one of them. And I'm not an economist. I am a woman who is paying attention. And I'm asking you to pay attention as well. I'm asking you to pay attention because I believe that by us getting educated and by us women starting to understand what is going on inside of the financial world, we can begin to take control back of our own money. And I think that what's happening with these banks is a bellwether for what is going to be happening with us as a country in the coming years. And again, you can look at the other countries that have had their banking systems collapse. Please do not be so complacent as to say or to think, this can't happen here, this can't happen to me. That's what the Silicon Valley Bank uh, investors, depositors would have said a month ago. That's what other countries were saying because their money was deposited with their you know, their their country's biggest banks, and they thought, oh, this is going to be fine, and it wasn't. We, in a post-pandemic world, have learned a really valuable lesson. It can happen anywhere, and it can happen to all of us. So start showing up more like that, because that is what we are seeing everywhere. So if that's the case, and we know that there is this coming financial tsunami that these banks going under is not an isolated incident or an isolated several incidents. What can we do? What can we do to protect ourselves? What can we do to keep our money safe? So for starters, the FDIC is saying that they are likely to raise the cap of $250,000 on depositors insurance. So right now, if I put, and this is very simple, if you just call your bank, you'll find that this is true straight across the board, but a lot of people don't realize this. If I have a business checking account at Chase, and I have a personal checking account at Chase, and the business checking account has $251,000 in it, and my personal checking account has $10,000 in it, I am only insured for $250,000. The $1,000 extra in my checking account for my business and the $10,000 for my personal account 
all completely uninsured. Or, hey, take the 10,000 in your bill pay checking account plus the 1,000 and cover it, but you're still going to lose 11,000 off of that 250,000 in uh, 251,000 in my example. Bottom line, the bank is insuring $250,000, no matter how many accounts you have, and they do not separate business and personal. And that's something a lot of people don't know. I only know it because I looked it up because as my bank balances got too high, I started saying, what else can I do? The only other thing you can do is spread your money out across multiple banks. Now, if like me, you're with a Chase or a Citibank or a Bank of America or one of the largest banks. By the way, Bank of America almost didn't get bailed out in the 2008 financial collapse and their stock dropped from like $12 to $2 a share overnight and they almost didn't make it. So maybe not even the biggest ones. But if you look at those biggest banks, you basically have to have your money spread across them. If you're at a credit union, you have to look at what is being insured above that amount. Maybe you have some of your money at the credit union and you have some of your money at one of the bigger banks and that's how you're protecting yourself. But do not assume that what happened in the case of Silicon Valley Bank, which was that the FDIC said will insure all of the depositors amounts no matter with no ceiling, right? So because some people, they had millions of dollars in the bank. Why did they do that? Why would you do that if you thought, oh, they, I've only got insurance up to $250,000 because you trusted the bank. And we need to stop giving our trust to our banking institutions, to our financial institutions. We have this story that says, let me go ahead and just give my money to strangers and I'm going to trust those strangers. Now, those of you who have, you know, personal relationships with your, your finance person, whoever that is, the person that's running your, um, you know, your mutual funds or the person that's taking care of your stock account or whatever, you might have thought up until now that that is a safe thing to do. But you've got to look behind just that single relationship and you want to start taking control back of your money. Because when the bank goes under, there was another bank that went under right before Silicon Valley Bank and the FDIC did not step in and say, we will insure up to 100% of the deposits. That's like special treatment. And I suppose because there were enough stories and articles that said, hey, you're going to be killing the next 10 years of technology development if these companies go out of business because they can't make payroll on Monday, which was the situation over that first weekend when, when um, Silicon Valley Bank uh, went under. That, they, that was why that they chose to step in because they said, well, we can't afford to lose this much innovation because these startups are not going to be able to pay their people and these startups are going to go under. So maybe that's why they made an exception, but it's very unusual. The people at the other banks lost their money. So you don't know. You can't be sure if it's going to be you next time. Just like we can't be sure about all of the laws that are being enacted right now, that it's not going to affect you next week. And it's not enough for us to say, well, this is not in my business or this isn't affecting me. It's potentially going to affect all of us in the future. 
because the tsunami is starting to build ahead on the wave. It may not be big right now, but again, how did we go bankrupt? Slowly at first and then suddenly. So I really want to encourage you to get educated. Please go back through the previous episodes of Goddess of Crypto. There's a lot of money education. This season, I'm already planning on having a bunch of women on who are going to be talking about money, who are going to be talking about how to protect yourself against this coming financial tsunami. I think that crypto, especially Bitcoin, is a great way to do it because it's not the same currency that fiat currency, which is our regular money, right? Fiat currency, for those of you that don't remember or don't know, uh, is money that is controlled by the government and not backed by anything. So if you thought that your money was your money, your money is paper and a promise to pay, look on your dollar bills, you can see that it says that, and your money is backed by nothing. It is controlled by the government. It is backed by nothing. So is all currency at this moment in the world. Now, many countries use the dollar as their backing. So you could see another currency backed by the US dollar, but the US dollar is not backed by anything. When I hear the big arguments against crypto and even against Bitcoin, I hear, well, it's not backed by anything. Neither is your regular dollar. That is not a reason not to get educated. That is not a reason not to just buy a little bit. You know, they say about real estate, um, don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait because real estate historically goes up over time. And again, when we zoom out to a bigger picture of time over 10 years, even if there's a crash in the middle of that or the beginning or the end of that 10 years, it will over the next 10 year cycle be higher than it was by far and go back up. So we are seeing that same cycle happen in crypto. We're right in the middle of what's called crypto winter, right? It's why as if you're listening to this podcast or you're watching this show on YouTube right now, you are one of the people who is, I'll say, getting the call early because you're not here as part of the hype bit of the cycle. You're here at part at the slow part of the cycle where you can get educated, where you can start to understand what you're doing and start to be more forward thinking and to look ahead. As a woman, probably with a family, it's a really good idea for you to do that. And I believe that getting educated, part of getting educated will be eventually you looking at Bitcoin and saying, let me just get a little, let me just buy some and wait. However, I'm not saying you need to buy Bitcoin. I'm saying you need to get educated. And as always, and I'm going to probably be saying this on every single episode, I'm going to do a couple of episodes about scams. Unlike the stock market, unlike the uh, mutual funds, don't give anybody else your crypto to play with. Don't give anybody else your crypto, especially if they say they're going to give you a great return. I'm seeing way too many scams out there and I want you to protect yourself. Crypto is designed for you to be able to uh, do what's called self-custody. It means you're in charge of it. It's another way in which it's so empowering. So I want you to learn that and please a little bit of education goes a long way. 
please don't give anybody else your money. And watch for the next bank failure because I'm sure there's going to be one. We are in the middle of that part of the wave. Until next time, I will see you for the Goddess of Crypto. In the meantime, please like this episode, comment on it, subscribe to your favorite platform so that you can uh, get the show in your inbox every week. And please share this episode. Share it with your girlfriends, your wives, your mothers, your daughters, your besties. I want every woman to be able to protect herself against this coming financial tsunami. I'll see you next week. Every week, transformational wealth coach Hallie Evelyn leads a conversation that helps to ensure that women everywhere can learn to surf the coming tsunami of the new energy of money. You can find her at goddessofcrypto.me. That's goddessofcrypto.me. Be sure to subscribe to Goddess of Crypto on your favorite platform or watch the show on YouTube. And remember, wealth isn't just your privilege, it's your right. Right.